We're going to go ahead and jump right into the sermon. And I want to go ahead and give a little bit of heads up. If in the midst of this sermon, if if you feel like I'm preaching right at you, you can attribute this to the Lord. Because today at about 1 o'clock, he totally changed up my sermon. So I have a sermon titled Romans 5, and now this sermon that's titled Acts 15 and 16. But the Lord just said, Mark, you're going to be yielded because I've got a different plan than what what you thought I had. So uh, I say that to say this. Um, if if the Lord is speaking to you in it, how cool is it that God flipped up the script and changed the plan just so that you could be encouraged and so that you could hear from him? How awesome is that? Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we love you. And we come to you just with love and gratitude in our hearts. We, we look to you and, and we see pure love. And Lord, we yield to you. Lord, right now and every day, Lord, we say, have your way in our lives. Holy Spirit, right now I ask you to have your way, to speak to us, to, to draw us into truth about Jesus Christ. Do that awesome thing that you do where that you take the words that are spoken, you take the scripture and you make it hit the center of our hearts and the center of our lives. So Holy Spirit, have your way. We yield to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, I want to start off, um, we're going to read James chapter 1. But If you have your Bibles with you, you might as well open them to Acts 15 and 16 and and that's where we're going to camp. We're going to camp on Acts 15 and 16. But I want to start off with James chapter 1. Let's go ahead and read it together. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Consider it all joy. Consider it pure joy. It seems like an interesting and kind of kind of a funny thing to say when we're talking about the context of troubles. All, not just troubles, all kinds of troubles. All kinds of obstacles. All kinds of pains. So I'm going to show this picture up here. This picture, minus, minus the silhouette of the guy surrendering to the Lord. This picture was taken last week by our good friend Josh, who's not here tonight. But this picture was taken, the the dark, cloudy, stormy picture was taken last week. I just want us to kind of keep that in mind. What do we do when tests and challenges come at us from all sides? What do we do when we are really under pressure? When we're under pressure... When we're pressed, when we're squeezed, you know what comes out? What we really believe. 
what we really believe. When we are pressed and we are squeezed and we're in the midst of trial and tribulation, what we truly believe is what comes out. The entire message when when I'm preaching tonight, I want to encourage us with this. Trust God. Trust God. Trust Him. Trust His ways. Trust His heart. The passage that we read shows us that when difficulty comes our way and our faith is tested, that we're not supposed to rush out of it prematurely. That there's a work that God wants to do in the midst of this. And if we want to become mature, and if we want to be well-developed, that we're not to rush out of that trial. We're not to rush out of that pain. We're not to rush out of that difficulty, but we're to look to Jesus and say, Lord, what do you have for me in the midst of this? What are you trying to develop in me, Lord? You are my source. You are my way. When we do, we're given this assurance in this passage that we'll be well-developed, we'll be matured, that we will not be deficient or lacking in anything. Last week... I had a plan. And it was a good plan. It really was. The plan was that we were going to have a baptism at a park, an outdoor park, an outdoor pool. We are going to have a little worship. We are going to preach. And then we are going to baptize about 15 people. Good plan. But it wasn't my plan that came about last week. Not at all. But thank God, God's plan did. The worship part went right. Worship was nice. We're into these covered areas, have about 80 people. It was great. Worship went good. It really did. Good job, worship. And then I get up there with my iPad, ready to preach. And then it starts raining. And it rains some more. And rain is a huge, gross understatement. Um... It, I, think, <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know if we can call it rain. I'm pretty sure what we experienced was the same thing that Ginger and the Skipper and the Professor and Marianne and Gilligan and the Howells all experienced. It was a monsoon. It was. We started on the outskirts and worked our way in and in and in. And right away I realized, okay, our plan... Uh, is not is no longer in effect. So it stopped raining. I thought, okay, well, maybe the plan can be recouped. So we went into the staff of the pool, and uh, they said, well, every time it thunders, and lightning is followed by the thunder, because the lightning comes first and the thunder, um, then we have to wait a half hour. So as I'm talking to them, you know, it, lightning and thunder, and one girl's like, that's one. Then again, it's like, that's two. I'm like, oh yeah, that, that's not an hour, right? I mean, it starts over and they're like, nah, we're just sending our staff home. You're, you're not going to be able to do the baptism here. So I'm like, all right, okay. So no baptism there. So our team gets on the phone. We start calling rec centers. We start calling community centers. We start calling hotels that have pools. We start calling everywhere to find a place that we can have our baptism to no avail. We ran into obstacles at every turn. Every turn. The weather, the closed pool, no luck in finding the replacement pool. Nothing but obstacles. Which kind of reminds me of one of Paul's 
journeys. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 15. We're going to read about Paul and Barnabas embarking on a mission, having a discussion to embark on a mission because they knew the heart of God and they knew the will of God. But from the beginning of their mission, they would encounter nothing but obstacles. Obstacle after obstacle. Wall after wall. Difficulty after difficulty. But in the end, the will of God was done. And it was done because the heart of God was known. They did not, we're going to read in a second, but just to kind of let you know, they didn't begin this mission because they had heard a word from the Lord. They didn't begin this mission because God had spoken and said, here's what I want you to do. They began the mission because they knew the heart of God and what he wanted, what his heart was for people. And so they proceeded in faith based on that. So let's go ahead and read Acts chapter 15, 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. I want us to see, you know, their, their quest, their mission is noble. The purpose that they're being sent out, that they're going out, is noble. They want to go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where they had preached the word of the Lord. And let's just see how they're doing. Let's check on them. So let's go ahead and, and continue reading the rest uh, of that passage there. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them back in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. So, the first obstacle, this, this is before they even left to go on their trip. The first obstacle they encounter is strong disagreement and separation of partnership. They had such a strong disagreement that they chose to just go ahead and part ways. Now, the good news is we'll see you know, later in the Word. You know, they're all buddies. They just you know, had a little argument, and that's all right. But the beginning of their journey, the beginning of their mission was marked by obstacle, disagreement. Question. Did the heart of God change towards the believers that they were going to see? No. Did the will of God change that he wanted those brothers and those churches strengthened and encouraged and ministered to? Did that change? So we see an obstacle, but we see in the midst of obstacle, we agree that God didn't change his mind. So Acts chapter 16, we're going to cover half the chapter, so we're just going to tackle it a little bit at a time. So verse 1 through 3. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. So his mother was Jewish, father was Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. The next obstacle that we see are social differences among the ministry team. 
So every time Paul entered a new town, it was tradition, Paul would begin by going to the synagogue and he would worship and then he would teach the Jews. And then from there he would go and minister to the Gentiles. That was Paul's pattern. We see Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation for all who believe, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. So Jesus came, the word was brought to the Jews, and then the call to the Gentiles, the call to those who weren't Jewish, to the Greeks, to others, was given. So Paul followed this tradition. He'd go to the synagogue. He'd worship. He'd teach the Jews before beginning his ministry to the Gentiles. If Timothy was to come with Paul on this mission, he couldn't join him in the synagogue if he wasn't circumcised. Now I figure if the Bible talks about circumcision, then I can get up here and we can preach about circumcision. We can talk about circumcision. Paul didn't want Timothy to be a stumbling block to the people that he had hoped to win. Church, Timothy paid the price on this one. He took one for the team big time. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Timothy took one. Little Timmy, he paid the price. He took one for the team. Which, by the way, I ask a lot of our leadership, but I don't want to hear any whining because I ain't ever asked anything quite so demanding. You know what I'm saying? So next time I ask something hard, you know, I want you to keep in mind, Mark's not that bad. All right. That's all I'm saying. You guys got it easy. Okay, so Acts chapter 16, you know, let's continue at verse 6. You know, as we see, so the obstacle of, of social differences, but that obstacle was overcome. Verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, They tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. The next obstacle they had to overcome? Being stopped by the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Being stopped by the Holy Spirit... And Jesus, what did we do, Lord? Have we missed it? Lord, if we're being stopped by you, surely we have crept beyond your will. Lord, if if we're being stopped by you, Holy Spirit, if we're being halted by you, where did we miss it? Isn't that our reaction? Isn't that our reaction? Wouldn't that be my reaction? Man, I must have missed it. I must have, where'd I miss it? Let me go back and re-examine my notes. No, I had it all there. Checklist, okay. Leave, you know, go see the churches, take Timothy to the doctor. I mean, we got it all. We're good. When we run into obstacles, how often do we blame something? Sometimes it's ourselves. What have I done? What do do I do to miss it? Sometimes it's the enemy. It's the devil. Let's just come against the enemy. It's the devil coming against us. Man, we give that sucker way too much credit. Sometimes it's the Lord. Saying, hey, is it my way or your way? Because if so, I got a little route, a little detour for you. Obstacles. What is God's heart? And has that changed? 
Well, that's a great question to ask ourselves. What is God's heart and has it changed? If it hasn't changed, then we keep pressing on. What is his heart for the lost in this community? Has his heart for the lost changed? What is his heart for this church, for this body of believers? Has it, has it changed? No, it hasn't changed. He loves us. He loves the lost. There's purpose in our lives. But we're going to come against obstacles. We need to know God's will. We need to know God's heart. Why do we want to know God's will? I think for the most part, the main reason that we want to know God's will is we love God. We're devoted to Him. We've made Him Lord of our lives. So we want to know His will for us. But what are the other reasons that we want to know His will? Are there other reasons? Sure there are. For me, and probably for most of us, we think if we're in His will, if we know His will and we're in His will and we find that sweet spot of His will right in the center, the center of His will, then all the blessings you know, we'll get to experience because we're, we're smack dab in the center of His will. So health and wholeness and prosperity and, and a strong family and a strong marriage and my business will do great and my ministry will be powerful and all these things. We think by being smack dab in the center of His will... All these things will come to place and life will be good. And we'll avoid obstacles. Hey, we're just smack in the middle of His will, right? So we're going to avoid obstacles. If we're in the middle of His will, then we're going to avoid hardships because ain't no hardship in the center of His will. Come on. Am I the only one who's thought that? Right? What if God's intended blessing isn't the same blessing that you and I would like? What if His blessing is something different than what we're praying for or hoping for or believing for? It's just a little different. But it's still God's blessing. It's not His second best. It's just what He wants as opposed to what we're asking Him for, right? As I was talking, you may have noticed it's real easy to kind of confuse the terms God's will and my desired blessing. God's will and my desired blessing. All too often, we're less interested in God's will than we are in my desired blessing. I, I got to say something funny. Let's, you know, uh, two men walked. No, church, we got to hear this. Know God's heart. Know God's will. Know His heart. Know His will. If we know His heart, man, we'll know His will. Many times we are less process oriented. And we're focused on the end result. We're focused on the goal. We're goal-oriented as opposed to being process-oriented. And the goal in this case, the blessing, sometimes that's, that's our focus, the end result. 
What is it that we expect to come about? God, His process includes a journey. It includes a road. It includes steps along the way where that we are constantly yielding to Him and trusting Him and looking to Him and needing Him. It includes detours. Things get thrown in our way and we adjust. And that, the whole journey is part of His blessing. Because He's not as concerned about the end result. He's concerned about what are we doing along the way? Along the path, what are we doing where our sights are constantly forced to be focused on Him and set on Him so that we can grow in Him? We're not to be so focused on what we think the end result is. But once again, our focus is supposed to be what? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Lord, I know your heart. I know your ways. I trust you. I know that your will for me, your plan for me is good. It is great. We see in the word that Paul was frustrated because he wants to preach the word in Asia. He wants to go to Asia. He thinks that this is what he wants to do and that therefore this is also the Lord's will. He thinks that Asia is the best place to use his gifts. And he thinks that this is where he is needed the most. So this is where Paul goes. Have we ever been in this place? Man, we, we think we this surely has to be what the Lord wants me to do, where he wants me to go, where he wants these giftings to be used. This makes so much sense. I have such a peace about this. Let's do it. Let's go. But he is kept from doing this, right? He's kept from going into Asia. He goes up, he's blocked. He goes, he tries to maneuver through another alley, he's blocked. By whom? The, the devil? By the devil? No. By the Holy Spirit. By Jesus. Paul loved the Lord before anything else. We look at Paul. I love Paul. Paul's a great example. Paul loved the Lord. But, that, but just because he loved the Lord doesn't mean he wasn't a stubborn sucker, that he wasn't willful. I love, I love this story. I love seeing Paul rejected, you know, turned away. Because it encourages me. I'm like, I'm not the only stubborn sucker out there. Yay! I'm not the only one you know, experiencing failure. <laughs> we're not supposed to, you know. Paul, you know, he, that was part of God's plan for him. I, I wouldn't celebrate your guys' failures, but Paul, you know, Paul's different. So there we go. What did Paul do when he was blocked? And then he moved on and he was blocked again. What did he do? We got we got to know his response. We got to know what he did. It's awesome. He moved on and tried the next avenue. He got blocked in this port. 
So he went to this one, got blocked again. What does he do? Does he stop? Does he quit? Does he turn back? Does he question himself and question his faith and question God? No, he moved to the next part. Why? Because he knew the heart of God. So he moved on. He knew the heart of God. Man, you've got to admire his tenacity. You've got to admire the passion. I'm pretty sure at that point when I got blocked twice, you know, I'm sitting there going, I got blocked by the Holy Spirit, got blocked by Jesus. I'm going to see the Father at the next port, so I, I better I better reexamine. I think I would have kind of... But, but thank God we see an example of the word to press on. Question. How do we know if it's truly God who's keeping us for something? How do we know that it's not the enemy? How do we know that it's not life or circumstances? How do we know and what do we do? Ready for the answer? This is incredibly profound Chandler you're going to want to write this down the answer how do we know sometimes we don't sometimes we don't sometimes we don't know Lord is this you is this the enemy is this life is this sin in my life is this what sometimes we don't know so what do we do when that happens there's a couple real good things that we can we can follow. Number one, do the last thing that God told us to do. What's the last thing God told you to do? And he's, has he changed his mind? What's the last thing God told you to do? And has he changed his mind? Has he given you redirection? Has he rerouted you? If not, you keep pressing on like Paul. And number two, you do the passion that he has placed in our heart to do. And he built us. And he built us great and unique and specific. And each of us have passions inside. And God wants us to do those passions that He's placed inside of us. You see, you know, we need someone to be passionate about brown bag outreach so that we're putting bags together for for those people who are on the street corner saying, Hey, I could use a buck, I could use some food. Okay, we need someone passionate about that to drive us. We need someone passionate about worship to drive us. We need someone passionate about children to drive us. We need those things. And when God has put those in our hearts, we're to do them. Another thing to do, if we're not certain, if we're not, if we're not certain, hey, is this sin? Is there sin in my life that's halting this? Is there sin in my life that's getting in the way? Boy, I tell you what, quick solution. Be quick to repent. Be quick to repent. Oh, man, repentance is such a beautiful gift. Thank God. What a beautiful gift. Be quick to repent. Lord, I don't know. I don't know, Lord, if, if there's sin in my life that's doing this. Lord, I, I have repented of all the willful sin that I know of. But, Lord, I just come to you in repentance. Lord, turning from my ways of doing things and trusting you, Lord, I seek your mind, Lord, your renewal, your purpose. So, Lord, I just repent of focusing on me. And, Lord, I just set my sights on you, Lord Jesus. What a beautiful thing. You do that, and then you go, all right, so it's not sin anymore. I'm serious. I'm totally serious. Just like that. Okay, so now what is it, Lord? What do you have? You guys, it's not, there's not a you know, list of chores to do now to get back in God's good favor. If you're not sure if it's sin, hey, if you are sure it's sin, repent of that sin. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's this adultery. Maybe this adultery is standing in the way. Yeah, yeah, it is. That is absolutely standing in the way. You know what I'm saying? If there's a big obvious sin and you know what it is, yeah, it's standing in the way. Absolutely. Repent of it. 
Turn to the Lord. But sometimes it's not that big, obvious thing. Sometimes it's just a self-centered, prideful, religious mindset we have where we think we're the sinner. And we need to reset our focus on Jesus Christ and make Him the sinner. A course correction. What started off as a mission to revisit all the cities when we read that first passage, what started off as a, as a mission to revisit all the cities has now turned into a mission to enter Asia to bring the word. Have you guys noticed that? Did you follow that in this passage? The, the, the mission kind of changed a little. It was first, let's go to all the churches and revisit, and then all of a sudden it's like, we're tackling Asia, baby. We are tackling Asia. Come on, let's go Team Asia. Let's go. We're getting embroidered jackets and everything. And I'm not saying that's bad. You know, hey, we, we respond to what the Holy Spirit does. But I guess what I'm pointing out is when, when we're quick to make adjustments, why are we sometimes so shocked when, when the Lord makes those adjustments on our journey, His journey? Acts chapter 19, verse 9. During the night... Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia. Everyone say, a man of Macedonia. Thank you. Standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. While Paul was on his journey, on his journey, and not at home sitting, praying, waiting to hear from God about what to do next, but on his journey, actually doing something for the Lord. While he was on his journey, he received a vision, which he then interpreted as a, as a course correction. You guys, so many times we're so hungry to hear from God. Now let me back up. Sometimes we're so fearful of not hearing from God. We think we're going to miss it, so we do nothing waiting to hear from God. We do nothing. Because we don't want to miss God. So in the whole process of missing God, we sit on our butts and do nothing because we don't want to be out of the Lord's will, that sweet spot, right? Where the, no harm will ever, you know, no bad things will ever happen. We, we don't want to miss that sweet spot. So I haven't had four or five confirmations, and I haven't seen a rainbow or uh, a pixie or... Um, Elijah, or any sort of confirmation, you know, whatever it is we seek. And so we're afraid to step out and do something. Church, God honors decisive action. He does. Lord, I know your heart. I trust you. Let's go. Me and you. You lead the way. I'm following you. Right or left. I'm totally serious. We don't have to sit there and, Lord, before I step out my door today, Lord, what do you want me to do? Well, I, you know what I want you to do. I want you to go to work. I want you to be Jesus at your work. I want you to pray for whoever I bring across your path. I want you to come home. I want you to love your family. I want you to adore your spouse. I want you to embrace your children and point them to me. Yeah, I want you to help do the dishes. And I mean, what, God's given us a life. Some of the things are pretty obvious what He wants us to do. See, why do we? Why are we so? But we want the huge thing. We want like the rock star thing. Lord, no, that's not enough. It's not enough to minister to my spouse and minister to my kids and minister to the people at work. Lord, what do you really want me to do? Because my name's got, I mean, your name's got to be in lights. You know what I'm saying? 
Okay, you guys were so loud early on. Now, now this side's. I want to point something out here also. Another possible obstacle. If you read, read this passage and read between verses 8 and 9, you'll see. So Luke is the author of Acts. Luke wrote it. Luke's job, he's a physician. So you'll see from verse 8 to verse 9, it changes from they, 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 they to we. It's very cool. So a lot, of, a lot of biblical scholars believe that one of the obstacles, one of the ways that Jesus stopped their entrance into these territories was sickness. And that's why Luke had to join the mission. Because this, this they, they, they. And then all of a sudden we see in the word, it's we. It's just one of those cool things I want to point out. It's just cool. Luke joined the mission. He's saying we now. So it's quite possible that sickness was one of the obstacles that also came against them. That they had to overcome. Pretty cool. I think it's cool. Hmm. Have you noticed that we're more open to a new vision and a new direction from God when we're frustrated? When we're frustrated. When we're irritated or angry or uncomfortable. That's that's usually the time that we're open to a course correction from God. You see, because when everything's going great and we're totally comfortable, we're not frustrated, everything's going wonderful, most of the time we'll just stay that course, right? And I'm not saying that's wrong. That's, that's a pretty wise thing to do. We just stay that course. But knowing that, can we be quick to next time we're in the midst of frustration, next time we're in the midst of an obstacle to say, okay, Lord, I'm yielded to you. I'm yielded to your change of direction to whatever you have. Paul allowed God to redirect the mission. Do we? Do we allow God to redirect the mission? Do we allow Jesus to flip up the script on us? See, we have our plans. We have the ways that we think it should go. Do we trust God? And do we give Him that right and that place to change direction in our lives? Or do we resent it? Or do we get angry? Or do we doubt Him? Because it's not according to our script, our plan, our perceived blessing. Are we teachable? Is it our will? Or is it God's will? Well, what a great question. Is it our will or God's will? My child asked me a question. Three most common answers. Yes, no, not yet. Yes, no, not yet. When we ask the Lord a question, when we hear yes or no, normally that's pretty loud. But when we hear nothing... Most of the time, you can take that as a nice, as a not yet. Not yet. I'll answer you. I'm just not going to answer you right now. Keep seeking me. I'll reveal it. You'll know soon enough. And we panic. We, we panic. I haven't heard from the Lord on this. I haven't heard from the Lord on this. Do you know His heart? Do you know His heart that He's going to speak? Just keep doing what He what He set before you to do. Keep loving Him and serving Him and trusting Him. I'm getting fired up now. 
Acts 16, 11 through 13. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. Paul and his companions arrived in the city of Philippi. And following their custom, what I say they do earlier, they get into a town, they go to the synagogue, they worship, they teach the Jews, and then they move on to the Gentiles. But when they came to this city, they didn't find a synagogue. They didn't find a place of worship. In preparing for this, I found that to have a synagogue, to have that place of Jewish worship, you had to have at least ten Jewish men. Ten men you can have a synagogue. So we can ascertain through reading this that there weren't 10 God-fearing Jewish men in this area because there wasn't a synagogue. There wasn't a place of worship. But what did they find? They didn't find a place of worship. They didn't find a place with 10 Jewish men. But they found some women, worshipers of the Lord, praying, seeking God, Remember the vision that woke Paul up? Remember the vision? What, what, you know, I had you repeat it. What did he see in that vision? A man from Macedonia. When he showed up in Macedonia, what does he find? Women. How speaking awesome is that? How awesome is that? Now, what does that mean? Does that mean Paul missed it? No, I just think sometimes the Lord's like, just keep looking for me. I don't know. Maybe Paul wouldn't have responded to a vision of a bunch of women. He's like, no, that's not Lord. I don't know. But he gets there and he finds women. Verse 14, one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Fact, Lydia is the first convert, the first known convert to Christianity in the West. She is. She hosted the first church in Europe in her home. Philippi served as a gateway between Italy and Greece, between the West and the East. And therefore, this key city of Philippi served as a gateway for the gospel between Italy and Greece, between the West and the East. Because Lydia was there, heard the, the, the good news of Jesus Christ, she and her family were baptized, were saved. She hosted a church in her home. And in this key area, this key port, this key gateway, now there was a church now there were a group of people who knew the good news of Jesus Christ, who shared the good news of Jesus Christ. Who did they share it to? Everyone who traveled back and forth. Paul left on his mission thinking he was going to go encourage, originally planning to go encourage the brothers in other churches. Then somewhere along the way, he's like, 
Asia, baby, let's go to Asia. But what was the Lord's will for this, for this journey? It was so that a church could be established in Philippi. That there were women who were crying out to the Lord. And God's purpose in this journey was to answer their prayer. And so he closed door and closed doors so that Paul, knowing Paul wasn't going to quit, that he was just going to keep moving on, keep moving on. And he made his way to this area. That's huge. That's huge. When our plans are derailed or diverted or when God changes the script in our lives, we can trust Him. We can trust Him. But we don't stop. We don't turn around and go home. We keep pressing on. What was the result of last week's monsoon baptism? The result of that was after obstacle, after obstacle, after obstacle. After rain, and then the pool closing, and there not being a community center, there not being a rec center, nothing available to us. We stopped and said, has the will of God changed? Has the heart of God changed? Did His heart change for us? Did His will change that we were to have 15 baptisms? Did it change? No. So we kept pressing on. So we went to Walmart and we got a kiddie pool. That kiddie pool. And we filled it with warm water. We have conflicting reports that it wasn't warm water. We thought it was warm water, but then again, I wasn't baptized. We filled it with water. And we baptized. Why? Because the will of God didn't change. And obstacles weren't going to keep us from doing it. The heart of God didn't change. So what resulted? I'll tell you what resulted. One comment, saying it was the best service that I've ever been to. That's what Deb said. Best service I've ever been to. Other comments, you know, that I got was, this is why I love this church. You know, other comments that I got were, thank God that we're a church that, that didn't let a little rain get in the way of what God wanted. What resulted, I mean, was we are stronger and tighter and closer because of it. Because we didn't let whatever stop us. Whatever. We didn't let the enemy stop us. Well, it might not have been the enemy. It was rain. We prayed. Hey, I prayed against that rain. We pointed and commanded those clouds to be gone. And the Lord's like, oh, that's cute. No, it's going to come. <laughs> so, you know, it was it okay. You know, I, I've... You know, pointed at rain clouds before and storm clouds and they moved. This time it wasn't going to happen. Why? Because God had a different plan. God had a different will. God had a different purpose. Do you want to know the, the Lord's will for your life? Do you want to know the Lord's will for your life? Know His heart. Seek His heart. Seek His heart. Don't seek His will. Church, seek his heart and you'll find his will. Seek his heart and his will will be a natural overflow of being in his presence because daddy will let you know what he wants.
how, how many how many people right now you have a tough time knowing the will of God for your life you just you you need direction clarification how many people say yeah I just I need to know the Lord's will for my life raise your hands okay actually stand up let's take it a step further Here's the great news. The Lord, He's going to make it clear. So seek His heart. It's darn near impossible, if not impossible, to know His will if if there's not some sort of seeking of His heart, if there's not some sort of spending time with Him. It starts with being with Him. Prayer, crying out, yelling, cussing. I'm, God doesn't care and I don't care either. Just be real with God. Be alone with God. Seek Him. Seek Him. And trust Him. And yield before Him. Lay everything before Him. And then trust Him. Trust Him. Trust His plan. Trust the yeses. Trust the noes. And trust the, not yet, son. Not yet. Trust Him. I, I want to pray for those who are standing. But I also want to encourage those who are standing with this. Don't let 24 hours go by without stepping outside your schedule and spending time with Jesus. Say, Lord, I'm just stepping away from everything, Lord, to hear from you, to spend time with you, uh, so that I can know your heart even more. Let's, let's pray, and I want to pray for these people that are standing. Lord, uh, Lord, we love you and we trust you, and we look to you, Lord. And, and Lord, maybe some that are standing right here, maybe trusting you is difficult right now, Lord. But we look to you, where that we can hear from you, whether we can see you, whether we can experience you, whether we can know you. So Lord, we set our eyes on you, Lord Jesus. And we say, speak, direct, change our course, clarify our course, set us on course, whatever you'd have. But Lord, we need to hear from you. Lord, we need to know your will. So Lord, we, we trust you. And a response from you we look for, we listen for. So Lord, I just pray that this would be week would be a week of testimony, Lord, where that uh, we hear from you, we experience you. In Jesus' name.